am not a fan of this growing reality, but at least on the internet, there seems to be something of a generational conflict happening between baby boomers and some of the younger folks. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on this week's Corey Act Show. Welcome in to another edition of the Corey Truax Show. Glad you're here on his radio talk 91.9 and 92.9 or wherever you listen to the podcast. Hey, thanks. I'm really grateful that you do that. You can also follow along. Well, you can follow along with me and the show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. Hey, we're dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk here on the Corey Truax Show. And you, what else am I? Oh, yeah. I am the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville. You can find us at beachwood.cc. I should mention, as I have a couple times now, I am putting the sermons from the month of November. I'm preaching every Sunday in November. I'm putting those on the podcast feed. So if you're listening to His Radio Talk 91.9 and 92.9 on Saturday morning at 8.05, you can go find the, the sermons from November. And I hope you will. There's a lot of really cool stuff there in the Gospel of Mark. And of course there is, because it's the Bible. And the Bible's awesome. On the show today, I'm going to start with this... Uh, internet conflict between the older folks and the younger folks. If we have time, I would like to get into a little, uh, I guess this is also Twitter, a little conflict between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders about Bill Gates and wealth taxes. I want to talk I want to talk about wealth taxes. And if we do have time uh, near the end, Kanye West, uh, he's just a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, he's talking about running for president in 2024. I have lots of thoughts on the the meaning of all that. Um, there's there's definitely deeper meanings to the, the idea that a celebrity would be thinking about this. And I'm actually, I'm really surprised not more celebrities are thinking about running for president considering our situation. So that's uh, the, the table set before you. I hope we can feast on all of it. Plus, Heath will be back with us at the end of the show to talk about the state of college football as the season nears an end. First, the facts of the case. I got to spend some time with my nephews. I love getting to spend time with those guys. And the the one of the two that's more up on what's happening in the culture, like he, he knows what his age group is doing and what they're liking, The it's the younger of the two. His name is Kobe. And he was telling me about a new meme, a new internet sensation, that is hashtag okay boomer. And it, it is a mockery of young people. It's called Generation Z. It's a mockery of baby boomers. So let's get all of our terms straight here really really quickly. Baby boomers are the generation born to the greatest generation. So uh, all those men get back from war after World War II and uh, start getting married. And as you would expect, lots and lots of babies born. That's called the baby boom. So that's going to be people born. We can go all the way from born born in the late 40s. You You can call it 20 years if you want, maybe a little bit less than that. So it's mostly retirees now, folks in their early 60s. Maybe you can count some folks in their late 50s as, as baby boomers. I wouldn't. I'd go early to mid-60s and call those in their late 50s uh, Gen Xers. But in any event, so it's that group, some of the older folks. Um, we, you know, we, we've had our politics dominated by baby boomers for a long time. Uh, even in the last election, the b- both candidates put up were in the early 70s. That's it's Hillary and, and Donald Trump. Those were baby boomers. So that's the baby boomer generation. 
Then there's millennials. Actually, there's some more in between. There's millennials, folks like me. There's Generation X and Y. And then there's the young folks coming up, people currently in college, and that's being called Generation Z, or your high schoolers are being called Generation Z. All right, so that's some of the facts. One of the tropes in the memes and the culture of the young people is to blame baby boomers. They like to go after baby boomers. If it weren't for the baby boomers, then the culture would be better and economy would be better. And it's, uh, it's, it's not helpful language, but that's what they do. But equally, you can find plenty of ire amongst baby boomers for the young folks, right? You'll call them snowflakes and talk about their work ethic. And there's plenty of videos on the internet with actually pretty clever for internet videos from older people making fun of young people and how uh, and how they aren't serious about their lives and they they defer adulthood and so there's shots fired in both directions boomers look with some disdain on this is at large baby boomers look with some disdain on the generation z types and the generation z folks are making fun of the boomers and the way they've done that is this hashtag okay boomer and so if an old person, older person, I shouldn't say old because it's not really all that old. Uh, so a seasoned citizen, someone a little older, says something that a young person finds out of touch or they want to demean it, they just say to them, okay, boomer. So it's kind of demeaning. Okay, boomer is hashtag okay, boomer. One of the one of the more obnoxious tweets I, I saw on this was something like, oh, you, you don't think climate change is a, is a real problem? Hashtag okay, boomer. And so obviously, I, I don't identify with that sentiment. So I guess that's the facts of the case. Let's let's move. So I have three thoughts on this, on this conflict between the younger folks in Generation Z and the baby boomer people. Uh, I'm going to make it four, four. Four thoughts. Number one, there actually is, I think we should take stock of, of our baby boomer parents or grandparents. If, and I have some listeners who are in this generation. As much as there's blame and there's uh, character flaws in every generation, the baby boomers weren't exempt. So, oh, this is going to get testy. Uh, Mike Rowe, let's go. With, let's let him say it instead of me. Mike Rowe has that show called Dirty Jobs. I love Mike Rowe. He has a great quote that is, um, he says to baby boomers, and maybe the generation behind them too, if you don't like millennials, if you don't like Gen Z, and you you call them snowflakes. Let's not forget that we are the clouds from which they fell. It's a very important point. Like you, you don't you don't like the generation younger than you. Well, you raised them, so let's make sure we're we're clear on that. You raised that generation. So, but then we we look with some honesty at some of the things that we have culturally culturally that are problems. A lot of it did begin with baby boomers. I'm gonna say it. No fault divorce laws. They were the first step in diminishing family. That's a baby boomer thing. Ease of divorce is a baby baby boomer thing. Now, is every baby boomer uh, in that generation guilty? Of course not. But we've, I think maybe fundamentally the biggest problem we have as a culture is that we diminish the family so severely. And the next steps in that were things like gay marriage. And the next steps in that are some of the some of the weird stuff we see now with thruples and like how we've diminished the idea of marriage. Well, you know where that starts, though. That starts with a culture that starts setting up no-fault divorce laws to make divorce as easy as we possibly can. That's just that's just one. 
it is baby boomers that seem it was baby boomers that seemed to start the train on let's just spend all the money let's just roll right into every debt we possibly can it was baby boomers that put us in some wars uh several that were probably not wise so there's some some proper shade to be thrown at some baby boomers that's one equally there's some genuine criticism for my generation specifically millennials we were we've been terrible uh, at being adults when we were supposed to we've deferred every step of life it seems there's plenty of shade to throw in at the generation z folks and so there's uh, while these folks are attacking each other i just think it's important that we all take stock and look at the people our age like what did we do uh, what what of the what of the uh, criticism is true now while that's those two things are true there is some blame for some boomers and there's some blame for every generation the the what's it called the perspective the perspective that we come from on the show is a biblical one and so we also need to have it said that there is a biblical mandate to respect your elders. And so this sarcastic attitude of doing the okay boomer thing, I would love to encourage my younger listeners, don't participate. Don't participate in the mockery of your elders. The I think it's Proverbs 20, maybe 29. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. There's splendor in those gray hairs, there's a lot of stress in those gray hairs, a lot of lessons in those gray hairs. First Timothy 5, I think it is, says, don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. There is some biblical wisdom that we do not mock our elders. Generationally, they made some mistakes. Generationally, generationally we make some mistakes. But we're coming on this show from a biblical perspective, and there's not room, there's not space to go and make fun of folks who are older than you because they're older than you. Equally, I can go to Timothy and, and get the concept of, of letting no man despise your youth and equally say back to some older folks, don't talk negatively about the younger people just because they're younger. This is also not anything you should do. We don't demean people by age as much as, like, you know, we... As I was watching this on Twitter, it seemed like there was like a brewing generational war. But ultimately, you just have this, it's just another thing to discriminate on, right? We we don't discriminate on uh, what? On, on religion, and we don't discriminate on uh, incomes, like our class, or we try not to discriminate on all kinds of things. Well, let's not do that on age either. The young not looking down at the old, and the older not looking down at the young. Neither one of those is healthy, and neither one are biblical. One of the great things we get to have culturally here, and it's informed by a Judeo-Christian ethic, is that every idea and every generation and every person can be evaluated on their own merits. You don't have to put them into categories and then judge the category. So, young folks, respect your elders. A lot of wisdom there to gain. And to the older folks, don't hate on the young. As, as, as we learn, we have a lot. We have a lot. I say we as if as if I'm young, but we have some some things to offer. You know, I've said on the show before, one of the most deadly things that can be said in a organization is we've always done it this way. The, 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 because something has always been done is a terrible reason to keep doing it. It's, there's just no justification for it. 
and it's happened too much. It's happened too much in churches. It's happened too much in uh, in even religious denominations and in families and in businesses where if you really ask yourself, why do we do this thing we do the way that we do it? The answer is, well, we always just were. And let's admit, that's usually the older generation that's there. It's, hey, we've done it this way. Why would we need to change? Well, uh, there's always some chance for innovation. There's always some chance for reimagining what could be. It's, it's almost like this, guys. It's almost like we need each other. It's almost like a good design from a good maker that we would have in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, that we would need the energy and we would need the innovation and the new ideas of young people, and we would need the governing wisdom of some older folks to, to balance each other out to come to conclusions and decisions that lead to the best for all people. So to sum it up, that's going out there. That's going on out there. They're doing the hashtag OK Boomer thing. And for the young people who listen, quit it. Don't participate in that. Let's respect our elders. And for the older folks listening, let's embrace our young people. Let's encourage them to be excellent and model for model that for them as well. When we come back, I'd like to get into a little bit of a spat that is going on between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren regarding Bill Gates and all of his money. We'll do that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the Corey Act Show. Connect to it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax. You'll find me there. You can keep up with me and tell me about what's going on in your world throughout the week. Would love to have you joining along there online at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or at CoreyTruaxShow. Or yeah, I guess that's just CoreyTruax.com. But you can find the rest of me, the online presence version. Uh, just look for me, Corey Truax. Okay, so something political, but it's ultimately not political. It's more philosophical and about how we think about money and possessions and uh, philosophy of what a government should and should not be able to do with our wealth. Elizabeth Warren, the leading contender, I would say, the most likely person, the person most likely to win the Democratic nomination for president, has put forward a wealth tax with not a ton of specificity. I've already said a couple times that if I understand her wealth tax and if I understand it correctly, it is unconstitutional. There's no power to tax existing wealth. So look, we already get, we're already getting bludgeoned by taxes. I know I am. My, my tax rate was basically 20%. If you, if you include everything that went to all the various governments, it was a little bit more than 20% last year. I'm living off of 80% of what I earn, and that's not enough. Let's just... There's, there's got to be some, some line. I mean, the, the, the Lord got less for me in terms of percentage than the government, than all the various governments that I pay taxes to got from me. Um, okay, so she puts together, puts together this tax that I don't think is constitutional. The only reason the federal government can even tax our incomes is because we told them they could. That's the third, that's the 16th Amendment. The 16th Amendment says, yeah, you can tax our incomes. Before that, it was unconstitutional to do that. And so the idea of your existing wealth, just the money that you've accumulated, the assets you've accumulated, we're just going to come take it. Just come take some chunk of it. You don't have the power to do that. That's tyranny. That's the junk that royals do. That is illegal. So if I understand her tax, her wealth tax correctly, it is an illegal tax. And also an immoral tax, by the way. It is immoral for the government to come to somebody 
who has accumulated wealth, who's already paid taxes on the accumulation of that wealth. Along the way, paid all kinds of various and sundry taxes as they gained that wealth. And now to tax it again, that's wrong. It's immoral. Elizabeth Warren has some kind of wealth tax, and Bill Gates was being asked about it at a conference in New York City. I'm going to play for you. It's kind of long, but I, I, want you, I want to play for you the first or second wealthiest man in the world. It's, excuse me, in the United States. It's him or Warren Buffett. They, and sometimes they switch out in a given day, depending on how their investments are doing. But one of the two wealthiest man, men in the United States, who I'm going to run a tangent, who's also one of the most important figures of the last 50 years. Bill Gates, you can hate his guts if you want because he has money and you don't. Uh, you, can ha- you can be jealous there if you want. I would advise against it. Jealousy and envy are, it's a, it's a horrible emotion, and it's a, it's a sin as well. But Bill Gates is responsible, one study showed, for the, for the creation of more millionaires than anybody else. No one has created more millionaires than Bill Gates. That's both directly through Microsoft, as in the, the amount of people he was paying very top dollar to that ended up as millionaires because they worked at Microsoft, but then also through the Microsoft uh, stock, the shares people own. I mean, there are, there are entire entire retirements uh, in that in Microsoft. I'm actually just pulling up an app that I do some investing on. Just in the last five years, my, five years ago, the Microsoft uh, stock was selling at 43 about 43 bucks a share. It's now sharing at 146 bucks a share. I mean, you buy, you sp- spend four grand on Microsoft shares five years ago. You're you're looking at some decent money, and so it's not just. That he's made more, he made more uh, millionaires of people who worked for Microsoft and developed for Microsoft, but also through this, the general population out there and the wealth being created in the stock market. Like he's been a gigantic net good for us. And that's just the direct dollars that he created through his ideas, or sometimes the ideas he stole to, for the to, for that Microsoft Office suite of software. How much more efficient? have we gotten? How much better are we all at our jobs because he created all that software? We are so much better off. It's, it might even be incalculable, which is a weird thing to say about somebody. His positive impact on our economy, it might be so big, it's not calculable. It could be in the trillions because of what his ideas did to make us more efficient, because of the money earned for his direct employees, and then the money that they spend and grow the economy. Like I could go on and on. Bill Gates, as much as his politics are garbage, I don't agree with Bill Gates probably on anything politically. He has been a really significant person, and at some level we should be grateful to him for what he's achieved and done for the country. All right, now, he's going to talk about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. He did that recently at a conference in New York City. You know, I've uh, paid over $10 billion in taxes. I've paid more uh, than anyone in taxes uh but i you know that's an incredible stat think about that it's probably true of the i don't know how many hundreds of millions have been people have been americans maybe we've had a billion americans by now total over our hundreds of year history is it's it's probably the case that no one's paid more in taxes than he has especially if you if you count state taxes because he's lived in washington and california like he's he's probably paid more taxes than anybody this is also a really good time to bring up uh, for all of the we don't like rich people narrative out there, especially amongst my my age group. We have a, a really equitable tax system for them 
for example, last time I saw the number, I think it was 2016. For what they earn, so I think it's the top, like top 5% of the country earns something like 65% of the income or something like that, but they pay like 80% of the taxes. And so you can get upset with, well, they're earning all the money. Like they're, they're, they're earning all of it. Yeah, well, they're also paying all of it. They're paying all the taxes. If you're in the bottom like 55% or so of income earners in this country, you don't really pay uh, federal income tax. You might pay some other taxes. Uh, but Bill Gates, probably the most tax man in American history. That is a weird stat to have about yourself. Glad to have paid, you know, if I'd had to pay $20 billion, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, when you say I should pay $100 billion, okay, then I'm starting to do a little math about... Uh, what I have left over. Have you ever talked to Elizabeth Warren about anything before? I've not. Before? Would you? Would you want to? You know, I'm not sure how open-minded she is. Uh, <laughs> uh, or yeah, I don't view her as open-minded at all. Uh, she, she she used to be a moderate, but she knows that the way to win in the Democratic primary is be an insane person, just be a nut job, and that's how she's beginning to behave. There's a little bit more content here with Bill Gates, and then you're going to get a journalist comes in, comes in here at the end to read Elizabeth Warren's response to this discussion. That she'd even be willing to sit down with somebody, you know, who has uh, large amounts of money. And nobody has more. Uh, it's hard <laughs> to think of people who have more than Bill Gates. But Senator Warren did respond about meeting with Gates, writing on Twitter, quote, I'm always happy to meet with people, even if we have different views. Bill Gates, if we get the chance, I'd love to explain exactly how much you'd pay under my wealth tax. I promise it's not $100 billion. And then they go on to have a discussion on the show. All right, here's the next part of the story. So Bill Gates has some concern about this tax, as of course he should. Once again, it's unconstitutional. It's immoral, but also bad economics just to take from existing wealth. She says in the tweet, it's not going to be $100 billion. And so then here comes Bernie Sanders. He doesn't mind because he, he's the real believer. Elizabeth Warren, again, used to be a moderate. God knows that she probably doesn't even know what she believes. She's such a political animal. But Bernie's the believer. Like, he, he believes the stupidity. He believes left-wing economics. Like, he, he's a guy who actually believes the old Marxist stuff, that if we give everyone a job digging a ditch and then filling the ditch back up, then we've created a job for everybody. Like, he knows nothing about real economics. He says that in a tweet that he would tax Bill Gates $100 billion, that Bill Gates would, have a, would still have plenty left, and that we could end homelessness and provide clean drinking water for every American with $100 billion. What a moron. What kind of idiot is Bernie Sanders? First, I mean, let me count the ways this tweet is so stupid. One, he's just trying to one-up Elizabeth Warren because she's taking away some of his left-wing support. So she's like, nah, I won't tax you at $100 billion. I won't toss in that kind of punitive, immoral, unconstitutional tax. It'll be like $50 billion. Bernie Sanders comes along and he says, I don't care. No, we'll do it. Let's do $100 billion. So one is just the pandering stupidity of it. That's one. Two, Bernie. The federal budget's like $4 trillion. Do you know how many 100 billions are in $4 trillion? That's a whole bunch. It's so many that I can't figure it out, like on the top, off the top of my head. There's many hundred billions inside $4 trillion. You would think 
it were that easy, we would have used one of those hundred billion inside the four trillion to end homelessness. You think that's how it works? We end homelessness with a hundred billion dollars? Oh, the stupidity of it all. Homelessness, for example, very complex issue. One study from Health and Human Services showed that 90, 90%, actually, I think they had it a little bit over 90. Over 90% of people who live homeless are living with a, a, mental, uh, a mental health condition, so some kind of mental illness, or an, addi- or an addiction, alcohol or drugs. So there's this tiny little group of people who are actually destitute, who, because they have no social safety net, uh, maybe local governments or something, or what I would call a social safety network, they don't have a family to fall back on. Because I just even think about me. I don't know, guys, something terrible happens to me tomorrow. I know I've got parents and siblings I could fall back on to help me out, right? So there's some people that don't have that. They don't have families and friends to fall back on. And so there's a small group of the homeless who are homeless and they they just have fall, fall in hard times. The vast majority of homeless people are there because they are mentally ill or addicted. And so it's not that simple. It's not you just walk up to <laughs> you walk up to a heroin addict in San Francisco. Here's several thousands of dollars. Now stop being addicted to heroin. That's not how it works, Burn. All right. So one, it was stupid. It was very pandering. Two. You think we would we would have already solved homelessness? Oh, homelessness! If if all it took was a hundred billion dollars, and also the clean water thing, we've got clean water, guys. Like that's a we're, we're kind of nailing that in the United States. We had that Flint water, Flint, Michigan water situation. It was a big story because why? This is a big theme on the show. That's a big story because it's rare. If we had a big dirty water problem, you know what wouldn't make the news? Dirty water problems. Because they're everywhere. When we actually have a problem with water, it makes the news because it's so rare. The stupidity of this tweet that I would take I would take hundred billion dollars from Bernie from, from Bill Gates and I would fix homelessness and I would fix dirty water. It's not just the stupidity of the tweet, it's the it's the immaturity of it, it's the childishness of it. Like this is what the seven or eight year old would come up with. Like honey, darling. We're going to give you $100 billion. What would you like to do with it, huh? And Bernie Sanders, like a, like a stupid little child, says back, I want to end homelessness. I'd have a clean water. Okay, it's not, it's not quite that easy. All right? And so he, he just needs to grow up. And that was the little kerfuffle between them all. Um, Bill Gates is, is right. Uh, this is a, it's a dumb idea. Again, it's an immoral idea. And it is uh, now a little fight between... Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. This this is a uh, a platform that I just don't see working. Your your platform is wealthy people bad take their stuff. I I I look at the idea of wealthy people bad take their stuff. Let's say you could even get me on board. Wealthy people are evil. Let's take their stuff. Okay, so who's the let's? Who is the us and let us? Because if it's the federal government, is that who, if that's who we're giving all the funds to, giving all the money to, that sounds like a terrible idea. They're bad at everything. I've made the point many times. Only thing the federal government has ever done well is invade countries. We invade countries, like, really efficiently. We are good at blowing stuff up and killing the enemy. All the other stuff, we've been inefficient and terrible at it for a very long time. 
And so the the idea of well, we need to take from the rich and g- give it to the poor. Well, first we got to put it to the conduit of the federal government where it's all going to get. There's going to be a lot of waste and a lot of fraud. Yeah, I, I would just I would just rather have people keep their money. It's been working for us for a long time, guys. One of the lower taxed. I mean, we're we're overtaxed, but one of the lower taxed places in the Western world, and it's obviously worked when you compare us and our economic growth rates and our our GDP and and the uh, standard of living, we kind of dominate. We're dominating the Western world. Not everything is great here. Things could be better, but this system has been best, and the folks who hate it, like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders do, it's intellectually dumb. That's one. it's, it's, It's a stupid idea. But it is important to say also, there's immorality to it. It's uh, like all of these economic systems have some part where they can go off the rails into immorality. So we'll take capitalism. Capitalism can go off the rails into immorality through first materialism, not just greed. Not greed. Greed isn't first as a problem. The first problem is materialism. Just want more stuff. Get more stuff. The best thing there is to produce more things and get more things. Well, that's not biblical thinking. And in that way, capitalism is not a biblical system where it emphasizes the getting of more stuff. And then equally, over here on the socialist side, there is it, it's fundamental uh, avarice is envy. People have stuff. I want it. So someone get it for me. So there is a, a natural sin in capitalism. There's a natural sin in socialism. There's a, there's a further one in socialism, too, and it's pride. Like, one of the things I would love to say to Bernie Sanders when he says, oh, oh I'll take it. I'll take, Bill, I'll take Bill Gates' $100 billion and I'll do this and this with it. Who do you think you are? How on earth did you get to the arrogance level that you think that money belongs to you? Bernie Sanders is a loser. He's accomplished nothing in his life. He won a couple of elections for mayor in, Ver- in a small town of Vermont. He rode that to a Senate seat that he's done nothing in. He's a loser for his whole life. You think you deserve Bill Gates' money? Who do you think you are? Barack Obama saying, at some point I think you've made enough money. Who do you think you are? How did you become Pope? How did you become the moral center for us all? And that is one of the moral avarices of socialism. It runs on envy. It also runs on pride that there's some kind of wisdom that you've got that the folks that made the money that they don't have. You've got some kind of virtue that the people who made the money, they don't have that virtue. No, so capitalism has its problems and it has because it's not, it's not a biblical system. There's, the Bible is the thing that is clean and clear. And so all of mankind's philosophies and systems are going to have their penchant to run into sin. Capitalism certainly has it. Socialism has it too. And so this, this attitude that the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders and that group show, it is not just bad economics. It actually is immoral as well. It's immoral to think that you just, out of your own virtue and your own cunning and cleverness, you deserve what someone else earned. It's wrong. It's a wrong way to live. We've got to take a break. When we come back, before we get into sports, I want to play for you something from Kanye West. Not music-wise, he said he was going to run for president in 2024. It should make for a fun discussion. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act show. Now some of you are getting it. It's free. It's like $50 to spend on Amazon on whatever you want. How on earth is it taking some of you so long to review the show? A quick reminder... 
in about two weeks, I'm going to put all these reviews into a randomized picking of the of the name out of some kind of bucket of some sort, I would imagine. And we're going to give one of you a $50 Amazon gift card for having reviewed the show. I'm going to quickly read to you one review recently from LG Bird 422 So I'm glad it's not 420. That would probably not be one of my listeners. LG Bird 422 says, Corey is enthusiastic about everything he does. Yes, I am. And is obnoxious. He will make you laugh. I'll try. But he will also make you have deeper thoughts about his topics on the show. Love it. Well, thanks, LG Bird. I don't know who you are, but I appreciate you saying so. And there's other good reviews out there to go read as well. I'm not asking you to go read reviews about me. That would be weird. I am saying you should go write your own on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to the show. Go write a review. Send me a screenshot at CoreyTruexShow at gmail.com or anywhere on social media. I will enter you in the contest to win a $50 Amazon gift card from me. All right, back to the show. Welcome in for the final segment of the Corey Truax Show. Thank you for sticking with us now. Kanye West is the gift that keeps on giving. We've had some fun with his recent gospel album and, again, being encouraged by the state of things in his life. Now, also, though, his life has often been marked by some weirdness. He's just kind of an eccentric guy. And he recently said something uh, that... Uh, well, he, he echoed something he said previously about maybe running for president. I just want to play that for you now. And then I have some responses to it. Uh, to a, uh, You know how I do. Like I, I, I do this thing where someone says so, something on its face and then I find a bunch of deeper layered meanings for it. And so let's listen to Kanye West on an interview he did here recently. When I run for president in 2024, we're going to definitely know what y'all laughing at. <laughs> when I run for president in 2024, we would have created so many jobs that I'm not going to run on a walk. Um, what? He, <laughs> when he runs for president in 2024, he will have done, created so many jobs. He doesn't have to run. You get it? I can walk. He's just walking for president instead of running. Now, I wouldn't play this for you except that he's mentioned it before. And when the crowd started laughing, his facial expression got very stern. Like it was, he was deeply offended by them laughing. So there's, here's the point I wanted to make. I don't think Kanye West is going to run for president. However, I don't see why he wouldn't. For this reason. Donald Trump didn't start this, but we have moved the presidency in two ways. What was supposed to just be a almost trustee type position, just manage the federal government, We've turned it into a celebrity position, and we've turned it into something almost royal. Like, the, the president needs to matter to us a lot, and it was never designed that way. But we've done it over several generations, and we're such a celebrity-obsessed culture that the two becoming one seems totally rational and logical. That we, we think the most important person in the country is the president, which is insane, by the way. Like the, You know the most important person in the country is, it's the individual. All of us individually are the most important people because the country will be what we make it. The country is made up of us and how we behave will, will determine what kind of country we are. 
But we've made this position very powerful, and the thing that we value the value the maybe the most, if not the most, as a top two or three thing in the in the United States, is celebrity. And so the narrative of of how we got here, I think, starts with Barack Obama. I think he actually was smart enough to recognize that. I don't think he's nearly as smart as people think he is, but Barack Obama recognized the way you do this is become a celebrity, even if you look a, a little unprofessional doing it. So like Bill Clinton going on MTV and playing that saxophone was something of a beginning, but Barack Obama really invested in it, turned his his campaign into something of a reality show, spending a lot of time with celebrities, making celebrities in Hollywood a big face of what he was doing because we love celebrities so much. We think celebrity is a very big deal. That was... Only, like the, the Donald Trump thing coming along, a, a TV star, a celebrity, that was, to me, at some level, the only next logical conclusion. We've been moving this direction culturally for a while where we made the position too powerful and too significant, but we also have mingled that with our love of celebrity. And so, at some level, once you're finished with Donald Trump, I don't even know how the country goes back to a normalcy. Like, I hope we do. But, like, how do you go back to a normal, just politician? Just a normal person. It's got some ideas. Try some things. Doesn't tweet a lot. Doesn't uh, doesn't say outlandish things. Try to get a lot of attention for himself. Like, how do you go back to a normal, bland, boring person? It would be better for us if we would. And then it would be better if we would go back to not just a more bland and boring personality, but also stop thinking about the presidency like it like it is a, a royalty and a kingship that we were actually thinking about it in its constitutional bonds. It, it seems that the the logical next conclusion would be something like a Kanye West or a Katy Perry or I don't know how old Miley Cyrus is, but or Miley Cyrus or something. Like that seems like the next logical thing. Because we're so obsessed with celebrity and we seem not to care about any qualification. I don't even mean that as a slide against Trump only. Like I'm about to be a jerk to everybody here. Because that's what I do. You think back to Barack Obama. What business did he have being president of the United States? He'd been in the state Senate for a couple years, ran for Congress and failed, ran for Senate and won. He was in the Senate, if I remember the count correctly, it was like 140-something days, and he declared to run for president. Like, Hold up. You've been in the state Senate and then in the real Senate for 140 days, and you think you're ready to be president. Well, the... Uh, the gall you have there, the, uh, the the pride you have to think you should be president of the United States. He had no foreign policy experience. He, didn't, he really didn't know much. He was just a cele- again, celebrity, celebrity figure who had no business participating in a presidential election, but he ran that celebrity all the way to winning. And I think we even saw that in, in his administration. He really didn't know what he was doing. He was never qualified to be president. And then we have a situation we have now, a person who had who really had such a little idea of what was going on in the world. I actually think that's one of the more immoral things about Donald Trump, that he didn't recognize about himself, I don't know enough. I don't know enough things to do this. I've given the illustration before. Like I, with, a, with a presidential candidate of any sort, I want to know that I can sit down, and if we started talking about the Constitution, that he, would, he or she would know all the parts I was saying. Like, if I started talking about the First Amendment and its five enumerated liberties, I need to know that the person who wants to be president is going to know. It's going to know what I'm saying. I'm going to need to know that if I bring up the Tenth Amendment, that they know what that means. 
you know, like this is these are important things, not just constitutional. But if I start bringing up previous elections and historical events, like I need to, I would like for them to be someone who knows what's going on. Donald Trump did not. He doesn't know anything. He's really made that apparent, especially when it comes to government and politics. Like the the guys that surrounded himself with some decent people, but the same way that Barack Obama had no business running for president, neither did Donald Trump. They don't know anything. And those both of those guys, they won. And so the American people have made pretty clear, we don't care, really. We don't particularly care if you don't know enough. We don't care if you have no qualifications, if you have no business being in that office. And so I've thought, I think I've said on the show before, I have almost wondered why someone like a Tom Hanks or George Clooney or an Oprah hasn't come forward and said, well, I'll take it. If this is what we're looking for, if we're just looking for someone who's been on TV a bunch, who gives you the, the idea and the feeling that they're part of the family and they're one of you, uh, and I'm a, it has a, a celebrity uh, background, well, why don't I just do it? And I'm actually surprised they have not done more of it. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see more of it more down the line. It wasn't Donald Trump's fault. He just continued on what someone else did. We've run out of time for serious things. I would be highly honored... If you would review the show, rate the show, tell someone about the show, share it on social media, tell somebody about that guy that talks too fast but that you enjoy. Thanks for listening to the show this week. Let's move on to sports. Are you ready? It is the triumphant return of our sports segment. We do that with our highly qualified and deeply insightful sports correspondent. His name is Heath Powell. Hi there, sir. Hello. I don't typically care about any ranking in college football until the last one. Right. But I felt like logic itself was assaulted with the first rankings. Logic was defied, and I don't know what this <laughs> what this commission is doing. I, I have no idea. The Penn State at four. Of course, they lost. We'll talk about that. Right. Where on, I can't surmise an argument yep. to put Penn State at four. Could never get there. It, even if you put uh, – yeah, I mean, where did Penn State even come from? Why are they even in the discussion? And I don't even think Alabama should have been three. Or should they have been to you? Or no, I don't even know if they're top. They weren't top four to me. I had hmm. them at, at five or six at best. Then going into that night, I wanted it to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Right. That was my top four. Yeah. LSU, Ohio State should be one, two. Yeah. They've won. They've won impressively. Clemson, Alabama have this, at least to me, almost the same problem. They played almost nobody until Alabama played LSU. Right. Did you say it was one common opponent? Yeah, they, Alabama and Clemson have a common opponent in Texas A&M. A&M, A&M. Okay. When Clemson played them, they were ranked 10th in the country. They beat them 24-10. to 10. Defense only gives up 10 points. When Alabama played them, they were 24th in the country. But Alabama gives up 28 points to the same offense. And I'm going to quickly uh, re- remind everybody, I think we watched that game together, you and I. Yeah, we did. Texas A&M scored a touchdown with like seven seconds left. It they was 24-3. to three. Yeah, because I think um, they had n- um, never gone. Jimbo had never gone without scoring a it was, I don't know if his points were a touchdown in a game before. A touchdown. His streak, whatever it was, he's had to keep alive. So, yes, they scored a touchdown. But, honestly, it's 24-3. to Yes, yeah, so that's the real Plus, score the that cheerleaders game. are in for Clemson. So. Exactly. They weren't. <laughs> right. I remember that being so absurd at the end of the game where they were really Yeah, he called a timeout with, like, what was it, seven seconds or yes. something left. We're going to score a touchdown. Yeah, we're going to score. Why don't you just chill? That's huh? fine. Take your, take your whatever you want to call it. I don't know if it's a moral victory. but That's all it is. Yeah, if you call it that, because you got slaughtered the whole game. So I, the guy who typically, I, I really just can't get myself to care about first rankings. Right. I still didn't really care, but I really, I was almost insulted by. Well, the, my wife and I were getting ready to watch it, and she's sitting there, and, and we were talking about it, and I said, Clemson's not going to be in the top four. 
They're just not. Ever since the North Carolina game, even leading up to that, they kept dropping, dropping, dropping. Yep. Um, you know, preseason number one. But also, everyone is, is judging them based on the Alabama National Championship game. This is a totally different team. But stat-wise, this is a better team. Mm. I mean, all the way across the board. Right. More points per game, more yards per game, more yards per carry. Uh, defense is better, blah, blah, blah. You know the one that surprised me is I saw a graphic put up that it was something like Trevor Lawrence's first eight games versus the last eight games he played, he has a higher passer rating now. Yeah. Like, he's somehow gotten better. I know there's the interceptions. The the metrics across the board from offense, defense, special teams are all higher now than they were at the end of the year last year. Yeah. Okay. So, the second rankings are coming out uh, from where we're talking. They're not out yet. Quick thing from the games last weekend. Joe Burrow in LSU. Yeah. They are. They are the biggest threat to whoever you think the best team is, like LSU, has got to be in that discussion. Their offense is really good. They sure are. But they have another problem that all the other top ten teams besides, you know, I'm not trying to be biased here, but based on metrics, they have the same problem. Their defense is very porous. Yeah. When they – when Alabama scored like 17 seconds left or whatever it was, that that long pass. The 80-yard pass, yeah. That doesn't happen to a Venables defense. No, it doesn't. You don't play – Press you don't man, play press man when you know they're trying to go deep. You it, just don't. You I play too high safety. Give them a cushion. <laughs> I just thought of something on this. It's just insane. Yeah. Like these guys get paid millions of dollars, and I'm, I'm sitting in my living room, forty year old white guy. <laughs> I'm like you don't play press man right there. The um. So two two things on that end. There's a, there's actually a feature in the old Madden football games yep. that if you choose something that stupid, it'll have like a tutorial pop up. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you want to do this? Like, and so I feel like if that guy was pressed up on one of the best receivers in the country, yeah. a Madden tutorial should have popped up and yeah. said, shouldn't you be in prevent? Yeah, like, do you really want to do this? So you and I had a similar moment like that. And, and you okay. know, I'm anti-prevent defense. Yeah. I think that's too much cushion. You get the players out of rhythm. I like the too high safety, and then you play your under underneath coverage. But Rally to the ball. Rally to the ball, you know, fly to the ball, whatever. But, I mean, these guys, when, when the two best teams in the SEC looks like the two best teams in the Big 12 – I think there's a, a systematic problem. That is what I, my third thing for you was. One of these things is not like the others yep. amongst the top five, or top six, seven. And that one thing that's not like the others is the Clemson defense. It is. They're the only team that plays defense. They, you know, the narrative from the commission was, well, that was a bad loss, but they beat this team, so it's a good loss. But Clemson's one-point win against North Carolina is a bad win. That's what they kept saying. How is a, a win bad? I don't understand. Mm, I didn't even hear that. How is losing a game better than winning a game by one point? No, especially I, I guarantee you, Alabama would have loved to have a one-point game against LSU, and you can better believe that Georgia would have rather had a, a one-point win against South Carolina. Exactly. Yeah, and how how does Georgia make up for the loss against South Carolina? They say, well, yeah, but they beat so and so. That makes up for the loss. And then South Carolina turns around and lose to App State. Oh gosh, at home. I know that South Carolina loss is only getting worse and worse for Georgia. It's getting worse. I don't know what they're going to do with Muschamp. Yes, he's got a huge buyout, but so so did Florida State, and they evidently they raised private money to buy that out. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. They look. Really bad. Yeah, it does. It's not. It's not good down there in Columbia. But the, because it's not being good in Columbia, it's making a harder case for Athens, Georgia. It is. Yeah. They they need South Carolina to actually be good. Yeah, they need South Carolina. They needed them to win out. Yes. And now they may not be bowl eligible. Yeah. They have to win two of the last. I think they have to win both their last two games to get. I think they won four that's, games. That's true. Yeah, they would have to win the last two. Yeah. I don't know if anyone knows one of those two games. It's against Clemson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, not gonna and I great. feel bad for for the teams Clemson has coming up. I really do. I think they felt slighted by the playoff committee, and they're, I think they're on a mission now. And, you know, they don't talk about that, but you know it's in the back of their minds. Absolutely. Well, that's actually how I feel about um, – it's either Ole Miss or Mississippi State that Alabama plays next week. Yeah. 
I feel bad for them. Yeah, I do too. I think that they're they're still going to score some points because Alabama's defense is not great. But I think they're going to. Well, Alabama may score sixty. Yeah, they're going to trounce somebody. Yeah. because they're all going to be very very mad now. Um, and then Penn State got what they deserved right last weekend. Yeah, I just still don't understand how they got put at number four. I don't know, uh, but it worked itself out there obviously. And how did Minnesota get stuck at seventeen? Undefeated Minnesota. Undefeated Minnesota in the same conference as Penn State. Baylor's down there pretty far, too. They were undefeated. Yeah, Baylor's undefeated. They won a really close game last Saturday. So, they'll probably move up in top ten, I think. They have um, Oklahoma next, by the way. Yeah, which Oklahoma almost lost, too. If if Baylor beats Oklahoma, they have to be – Start. Be, you have to really consider them a top four. You have to consider them a playoff team. You do. If you're undefeated, undefeated, and, and all this great. is going to work out. All these teams yeah. play each other. You know, blah blah blah. And then conference championships. Yeah, conference championships. I mean, but I think Alabama may pick up another loss. Well, I think Auburn might. They be still there. got Auburn. Yeah. Coming up in this next couple weeks with Auburn versus Georgia, Alabama versus Auburn. Uh, there's there's still some big games. Yeah. Here's what I don't like: when Alabama two years ago. You know, didn't go to the SEC championship. They sat at home, watched the conference championship, and then got put into the play. Now they did go on to win the national championship. Sure, but if, if you're going to do that for them, I mean, how are you going to work that out with the rest of the teams? We have two minutes left. I wanted to share, one, do one more thing with you that's not football related. Okay, this is the first time you've heard me give this take, so you can just say, "No, bro, you're stupid." Here's the take: <laughs> it's a bas- it's a basketball take. Yep. Those that didn't see it in the NBA. Joel Embiid, big center for the Philadelphia 76ers, and Carl Anthony Towns, a big power forward for the Timberwolves, got into a real fight. Yeah, they got a, they had a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was, like, I don't want to say UFC style, but it you was what it reminded fight. me of Shaq and Barkley when they were swinging. Now, neither one of them hit because they're not fighters, but those some big boys swinging some big hands. Listen, if I got hit by <laughs> one of those, I'd be dead. They would have killed me. Yeah. Maybe I overreact, but I have this reaction when there's baseball fights and basketball fights. Yeah. I think they should be charged with crimes, because it, I mean, I'm yeah, talking, because well, if, if we you, do if that, you walk out of the stadium, and you do that on the street, someone's getting arrested for assault. Yes, but they're on a court, they're on a field. Now, I'll be honest with you, I like the baseball fights because to me, <laughs> baseball is boring. And I really enjoy that part of the game. Not a bad point. But let's be honest, a guy hurls a ball at me 90 miles an hour, hits me in the head. I'm charging the mound. Yeah, like that should also be assault. Sure. If I go outside and throw a ball at somebody's face, I'm going to jail. Sure are. And if we have any indication that the guy did it on purpose, and sometimes we have good indication they did throw it on purpose. Yeah, you do it on purpose because in baseball, if you have a problem, you get back at the problem. That's yes. how it works. I, I hate that system. It's one of those unwritten rules of baseball that, the, you know, yep. the, the hate, baseball people I really – unwritten rules. I do too. It's so stupid. So, ba- I was trying to figure out if you thought – if you were going to think, no, that's a really sissy take, man. Men fight on the on the court. But I think it sh- there should actually be – I'm talking legal ramifications. Yeah. If you fight like that – we're going to treat you like a normal person out in the world. Here's my thought. You know I enjoy the UFC. I do. I like yeah. fighting. I mean, I don't like fighting, but I enjoy watching. The sport it. of it and watching. Right, the sport of it. I don't care if they fight on the court, but then how can you be arrested outside the state? If they both met outside the stadium after the game yep. and they do the same thing, they're both getting arrested. Yes. So I don't disagree with there being ramifications of it besides being suspended for three games or whatever they got yes. suspended for. Uh, they're just some big boys, and they could have caused could, a lot of damage. A lot of damage to people. Yeah. What if it poked at the other eye like a girl? Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing poking I'm Like eye? You're seven feet, 300 pounds, and you do a Three Stooges eye poke. So I don't care how bad I'm getting whipped. I'm not poking another dude's eye. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I have some honor. Yeah, I'm not like, going to do it. Well, if you get in a street fight, just do whatever you need to do to win. <laughs> uh, poke, bite, but, kick. It doesn't matter. But it just, it just on the basketball like court, yeah, I mean, 
It's insane. Really. It wasn't a good look. All right. I wanted to run that by you. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. No, I appreciate it. We'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.